The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem and the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're traveling to Oregon's beacons of light for ships in the night. Yes, our state's majestic collection of lighthouses. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. There is nothing that quite compares to a lighthouse on the Oregon coast. Located on the edges of cliffs and the tops of headlands, and designed in elegant style, lighthouses combine beauty and history in one place. In this edition of the Explore Oregon podcast, we're going to spotlight the best places to visit Oregon's rich collection of lighthouses. We'll talk about the ones you're allowed to visit, how to take a tour inside, and the great adventures you can have nearby. We'll also tell you the story of Oregon's deadliest lighthouse, an island crypt the public is not allowed to visit. (laughs) So that sounds a lot like a plot of the horror movie, which is fun because it turns out lighthouses, they are the location of a crazy number of murder mysteries and horror movies and such things. Which begs the question, David, will we survive until the end of this podcast? Um, hopefully so. We'll see. All right, David, let's talk about traveling to Oregon's lighthouses. So there's currently 11 of them dotting the coast, but we're really going to focus on the ones that you can visit and take a tour of the inside. Yeah, it really changes the experience when you can not only take a picture from the outside, but go inside, climb up the same stairs that some lighthouse keeper climbed more than a century ago. Lighthouses look pretty similar from the outside, but on the inside, there's a bunch of details that really make them unique. They are located the the length of the Oregon coast from Cape Mears to Cape Blanco. They're often at state parks, which is nice because you can kind of combine a lighthouse visit with all the other outdoor adventures nearby. All right. So before we jump in, anything else you think people should know before we start talking about our favorites? Two great resources I'd really check out. Oregon State Parks has a guide to lighthouses. It's easy to find online. It's a really nice map and more importantly, phone numbers that you can call in advance. And we are going to advocate for that. Yeah, calling in advance is a pretty good idea if you're hoping for a tour of a lighthouse. Tours can occasionally be canceled by bad weather. They can sell out. Some don't allow children unless they're above a certain height. And some don't really take you all the way to the top. We're going to talk about all that here, but it's helpful to go ahead and call ahead so you know what you're getting into. And also, a lot of them are kind of run by volunteers, so you never really know. Yeah, the kids only allowed to go up if they're a certain height. That's that's been important for me because, you know, I have a two and a four year old and they weren't tall enough for some of them. And it's really good to know that in advance because otherwise you're promising, hey, we're going to go check out this awesome lighthouse. And then you get there and it's like, (laughs) so that's not a good thing. No. Uh, One quick last note. If you really hate tight spaces, I'm not sure I'd recommend climbing up a lighthouse. I mean, you're usually doing this on a tour in a staircase and hallways that have a very claustrophobic feel. I actually did some searching on the internet and found out this is a thing. Like people get really kind of freaked out sometimes by how tight those spaces are. Per tradition, we've broken down each lighthouse into a category. So coming up first, let's talk about our favorite category back by popular demand. What is the best lighthouse to get high? (laughs) It just pains you to say that, doesn't it? It does a little bit. Yes, indeed. The best place to get high at an Oregon lighthouse is... Yaquinahead Lighthouse, which at 93 feet is the tallest on the Oregon coast. 
It's located just north of Newport, and if you've ever been to Nye Beach, that real popular area, you've seen this one just standing guard on the headland over the beach. Yeah, the lighthouse is located about three miles north of Newport proper at Equinahead Outstanding Natural Area, which could give you a little clue to what's going on there. It's outstanding. It costs $7 to enter, and tours only cost a dollar. But because of extreme popularity, you'll want to go ahead and call for tour reservations, which can be booked about 90 days in advance at everyone's favorite government reservation <laughs> site, recreation.gov. That is nobody's favorite site. Um, so one of the best things about this lighthouse is that the tour takes you all the way to the top. So that's kind of unusual. And the rangers here are really good. Like, they really put effort into, you know, creating the lighthouse keeper persona. But don't take my word for it. Here's some audio from our tour to the top with Lighthouse Keeper Jay. Greetings and salutations, visitors. I am Keeper Jay. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, so good to see visitors out here. I have been here such a long time. And it does get lonely. I've been here, I don't know, 145 years. <laughs> oh, you're talking about lonely. I don't, I don't look a day over 100, right? <laughs> Why don't you come on inside and we will go to the oil room. There were uh, three keepers that ran every lighthouse. Two would be on duty, one on a day off. The two on duty split the evening in half. One would take the first half of the evening watching the light upstairs, tending to it. Then he would come home, probably go to bed, and the second keeper got up and took the second half of the, the evening and cleaned up the light, prepared it for the next night. Post-1850s, lighthouses reflected the Victorian era probably have Victorian houses in some of your, your towns. They're very ornate. They're usually built pretty solid. In the West Coast, they would get redwoods from California and build many of the houses you'll see in Portland and Seattle. They're built to last. Here, instead of spindly little legs, you've got walls five feet thick where you are right now. Art, look at, look at the filigree on the baluster here. You know, this was Imagine this station, it didn't see many visitors. In the logs in its early years, you would be lucky to get three or four, maybe five visitors in the summer and nobody the rest of the year. And the visitors were right down the street, usually either from Newport or from Corvallis. At this point, I think what we'll do is we will ascend to the crown jewel. So one fun note is that after the climb, if you get all the way to the top, you can get a little button that says, I survived the climb. Although, to be honest, it's not quite like climbing Mount Everest. It's just, you know, a bunch of stairs. And don't forget about the park as an outstanding natural area. It is home to some great hikes and some of the most accessible tide pools on the coast. Yeah, I mean, if you were really to draw a comparison, this is almost like, you know, they say... the. Silver Falls is the jewel of the state park system. Mm -hmm. This is like the jewel of the lighthouse system, really. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, we might we might have words about that later on in this podcast because there's one that I think is slightly better, but it's pretty close. And we touched on this earlier, but it's worth mentioning that fans of the 2002 horror movie The Ring might recognize the lighthouse as an important plot point in the movie. Yeah, the lighthouse seems to bring out a lot of darkness and mystery in addition to The Ring been featured in a Nancy Drew mystery and a novel called Murder at Yoquinahead. People just get a scary vibe from this place, I guess. While you're visiting Newport, you can also easily bag a second lighthouse visit. The Yoquina Bay Lighthouse is thought to be the oldest structure in Newport. It sits perched above the entrance to Yoquina Bay, about a stone's throw from the historic bayfront downtown. 
You can take self-guided tours for free, and it's a great place to look out over the ocean when, you know, it's raining sideways, as it occasionally does on the Oregon coast. For sure. Yeah, just a cool building to check out. Not the grandeur of the lighthouse, though. All right, so let's move on to our next place. David, what is the most family-friendly lighthouse on the Oregon coast? Yes, indeed. Now we'll go from the tallest lighthouse to the shortest lighthouse. Cape Mears is just 38 feet tall and offers a lot for families to do, you know, contained in one nice little area. The lighthouse sits about six and a half miles west of Tillamook as the crow flies. There's a small suggested donation for tours, but entrance to the park is free. Which is nice. I've always kind of thought of this as Oregon's pocket-sized lighthouse, because when you see it up close, it's kind of squat and sort of almost funny looking, but it's also very accessible. And so what's it like to actually climb up the shortest lighthouse? I mean, do you feel like you've conquered the world up there? Not so much. Well, it's funny because like you say, you you approach it from behind, you know, as you walk down this slope and the lighthouse is kind of perched out at the edge of the cape. So all you see when you approach it is just the lens room. And then even when you get down there, like you say, it fits in your pocket kind of thing. The actual tour, it's staffed by volunteers and they're usually pretty well versed in kind of the history of the area and and the work it took to kind of refurbish it. They're there from May to September. It's open most days. The staircase is, you know, like we say, pretty short, so it's not physically exerting or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually one of the only other lighthouses on the coast where you can actually walk sort of all the way around the lens area and peer out over the sea, enjoying the same view that lighthouse keepers did a century ago. Yeah. There's a, is there a minimum for, for kids to get up there? Are there any restrictions? Yeah, I on think who there, can go there's there? a minimum height. I don't recall exactly what it is. So if you call ahead, and make sure to ask about that. But, you know, otherwise, there's plenty to see and do in the park. Yeah. So there's also, in addition to, you know, just the lighthouse, there's three miles of hiking trails around here. It is a great spot, very well known for spotting gray whales uh, on their migrations during the spring and winter. But I think both of us, one of the things we love is the trees out there, and especially one of them. Yeah, really, the biggest highlight for me, you know, in addition to the lighthouse and something that really holds a special place in the hearts of, you know, a lot of generations of Oregonians is the octopus tree. It's a huge Sitka spruce that historians say was used by local tribes for ceremonies. They actually trained it into its distinctive shape. It's about 45 feet wide and 105 feet tall with these huge branches that jut out like 16 feet sideways and then turn and go straight up into the sky. It's just this amazing, imposing thing that looks like something out of a fairy tale. A lot of times, like, things have this, like, fanciful name, and you're like, well, that's kind of cool. But this tree actually looks like a real octopus. Yeah, this <laughs> isn't some marketer didn't just come up with this name. Like, it lives up to the, to the lore. Yeah, no doubt. Now let's go ahead and talk about some lighthouses that you can't actually get to, but they're still worth a look. All right. So as we mentioned in the intro, you're not allowed to visit all of Oregon's lighthouses. But that doesn't mean they need to be ignored, because some of my favorite ones are the ones you can only see from a distance. The two that we're talking about here are Tillamook Rock and Cape Argo Lighthouses. The good news is that you can still enjoy them from two of Oregon's best coastal hiking trips, so it's not like, you know, you're not having a good time while you get to see these. Yeah, let's go ahead and start with Tillamook Rock, also known as Terrible Tilly because it's actually perched out on a tiny rock island that gets absolutely pummeled by waves and is without a question one of the harshest places on the coast to put a building (laughs) that, you know, was meant for people to live in. So it's located just off Tillamook Head at what is today E. State Park. The only way to see it is to hike Tillamook Head Trail, this really beautiful pathway between Cannon Beach and Seaside. So there's a big overhead viewpoint. But since the lighthouse is 1.2 miles offshore, again, just on this rock, 
it's very much worth bringing binoculars so you can understand the wild lunacy of this lighthouse, <laughs> which sits on a sheer basalt island the size of, like, a large backyard. But lighthouse keepers really did live there from 1881 to 1957. It was one of the most expensive lighthouses to operate in the United States because, not surprisingly, it was constantly getting damaged and destroyed by waves. A number of people died while building it, and there are really a lot of wild stories about it. So, among those stories, here, here are two of my favorites. Like, during the peak of its operation, this tiny island housed four lighthouse keepers. Now, these were all males, all forbidden from bringing families or having women or children there for six months while they're getting battered by the sea. They had a reputation for being some of the orneriest people in Oregon, <laughs> and it is not hard to see why. And, you know, when I was researching this, I had to laugh because there is a trailer for a new movie coming out called The Lighthouse. It stars William Defoe and Robert Pattinson as two lighthouse keepers who, faced with this overwhelming solitude, start to lose their sanity and become threatened by their worst nightmares. Like, I've seen the trailer, and it's just basically these two disheveled-looking dudes screaming at each other. And (laughs) I think that's probably how it probably played out at Tillamook Rock Lighthouse. Yeah, it's really super timely and definitely what the kids call a big mood. Yeah. But uh, somehow even crazier than that. So that was the first crazy story, that four, you know, bachelor dudes lived there and probably just screamed at each other. But crazier than that is that after the lighthouse was decommissioned, it became a storehouse for cremated human remains. I'll let that sink in for a second. So it was called Eternity at Sea, and it contained 30 urns of dead bodies before it was shut down. The public, sadly, is not allowed to visit now, but wow, I mean, with all that, this has to be on the short list of the most bizarre places in Oregon. Okay, so if you actually want to see Terrible Tilly, it's probably best to go ahead and bring your binoculars. The hike gives you a pretty decent view on a clear day, but to really appreciate it, bring your binoculars. Okay, what's the other trail lighthouse you wanted to bring up? Well, we'll do this real quick, but the second one is Cape Argo Lighthouse. Again, it's not open to the public, but it makes a really nice picture if you're hiking around Sunset Bay State Park, uh, which is one of the most stunning trails on the coast. So the Sunset Bay area actually includes three state parks about 10 miles south of Coos Bay. The trail we're talking about connects kind of all three parks, right? Yep, so it's Sunset Bay, Shore Acres, and Cape Argo, and they are all connected on this particularly beautiful stretch of the Oregon Coast Trail. You should Anybody who loves hiking on the coast has to check this one out. But, and uh, so views of Cape Argo Lighthouse are kind of really good from the trail, and so it's in this kind of nice little Easter egg to find on what's already a really good hike. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about the role lighthouses play in navigation in the modern age and reveal our pick for the best overall lighthouse experience in Oregon. We hope you're enjoying the Explore Oregon podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to support our efforts to bring even more great stories from Oregon's outdoors, consider a digital subscription to the Statesman Journal. Not only do you get access to the best in outdoor adventures, There's all the news, sports, and entertainment stories from Oregon's capital and the Willamette Valley. Head on over to statesmanjournal.com slash subscribe to learn more. All right, we typically begin the second half of our podcast with a little bit of history. So we'll just go ahead and very briefly touch on the reason lighthouses were built in the first place. So common sense would tell you lighthouses were built to stop ships from running into rocks, other dangerous spots on the coast. And that's partly true. 
but the main reason they were built was to guide ships down the coast for a very specific reason. I'll let Lighthouse Keeper Jay, who we met earlier, fill you in. Why were lighthouses built at a time when Oregon was just a young, young state? It was built for farmers, for ranchers. Let me show you why. At the time, now imagine you're a farmer. Imagine you're from Salem or some other faraway place. Days rides. This is the 13th Lighthouse District. Oregon and Washington were part of it, a little bit of Northern California. The Willamette Valley sits here. Asia is like over here someplace, like way that way, westward. <laughs> California is down here. You have been growing crops, mostly wheat and mostly wool, except up in Beaverton, they had a lot of uh, fruit trees. You are very rich in food, let's say, but not so rich in the bank. Why do farmers need lighthouses? Get down the coast. To get down the coast. There was no, well, there was a trail. You know, if you want to go to St. Louis, yeah. it was, or Independence, Missouri, it was 190 days. I don't know if the wheat would still be any good by the time they got there. <laughs> All right. There were no railroads in the beginning days. Nothing. All there was was the water. It's a time when the ocean was the highway. And that highway closed down every night at sunset. If you were a captain of a ship, you would not travel the Oregon coast, nor the Willamette River, nor the um, Columbia River at night. It was way too dangerous. This whole highway that your life is dependent on closed for many hours a day during the winter and, and maybe a few hours less in the summer, but it shut down at night. It was too dangerous. Why did Oregon need lighthouses? Well, they were operated by the Department of Treasury, and you know what the Treasury makes. That's why Oregon farmers needed lighthouses. They needed the money, the commerce, that this ocean highway would bring if it was open 24-7. So obviously, Oregon Coast lighthouses played an important role for many decades until improved technology meant you didn't need a lighthouse to guide you down the coast anymore. But one thing I discovered was that lighthouses, even today, are considered navigational aids, like active aids. Many of the lighthouses we're talking about still send a light 30 to 40 miles out to sea. The lights still work incredibly well. They have these amazing lenses that, you know, were amazing technology for the time and are still really fascinating when you stand up close to them. Still work super well. Yeah, and it turns out there's still work as a safety net for things that might go, you know, your devices may go haywire when you're out at sea. Yeah, so I came across this doing research, and I saw this active navigational aid thing, and I was like, what could that possibly mean? And so I spent about two weeks trying to get a straight answer to this, talking to all the government agencies. Finally, I tracked down a nice guy at the U.S. Coast Guard named Jeff Zappin. He basically said, any mariner worth their salt will know how to read the specific flashes of each lighthouse. Because, yes, each lighthouse has kind of its own signature, and that's how mariners could figure out where they were and where they needed to go. Yeah, so that was true historically, and that is still true today. Things go wrong at sea all the time. Even now, you can lose radar, GPS. Lighthouses are still an important tool for navigation because they never lie to you. That was one of the things he stressed. Lighthouses are always in the same place. They are a fixed point, and even in the modern age, that still matters. All right, our next category is another one backed by a popular demand. Zach, what is our most Instagram famous lighthouse in Oregon? <laughs> All right, so the most Instagram famous spot 
or Instagram infamous, depending on your viewpoint, is Hasita Head Lighthouse. It's certainly among the state's most photographed places because it's a really beautiful one. It's 56 feet tall and has just a very elegant design that meshes together that design and the ocean in one really nice package. Hasita Head is located between Yahats and Florence, and really the surrounding landscape adds to kind of the rugged feeling. There's a great viewpoint along Highway 101, but if you want to see the lighthouse up close, it's a mile-long hike to reach its base from the beach down below. It's a pretty crowded place in the summer, so weekdays or getting an early start is highly recommended. Now, there are tours offered here, but remember to temper your expectations. The tours stay on the ground floor. They do not go up the stairs. This came as a great disappointment to my four-year-old daughter. It was... I mean, we went there, we saw the lighthouse, we're talking about going inside, and then we stayed on the ground floor. And it was kind of like offering her a piece of candy and then being like, sorry, can't eat it. But it's still cool to go in there. The history is always fun. And there's some hope that they'll reopen the top at some point, but there is no timetable. In addition to the lighthouse, the surrounding park offers some great picnic spots and family hangouts for an afternoon at the beach. If you're looking to spend more time, the Lighthouse Keeper's residence was actually restored in the mid-90s and now operates as a bed and breakfast open to the public. They offer family-style breakfast in the morning, even wine and cheese socials in the early evening. It's pretty fancy. It's very fancy. It also costs a fantastic amount of money to do that. It's a bit. But, uh, you know, so this is our Instagram famous spot, so I owe you to tell you where to get that perfect gram, as the kids say. (laughs) Um, The best view is by following. So you get to the lighthouse, but you got to follow a trail right up behind it. It's not too hard to get there. But this provides that really iconic view with the lighthouse in the foreground and the wide sweep of ocean and cliffs right behind it. We joke about Instagram a lot, but truly, this is one of the most photogenic spots in the state, especially when you get that morning light or around sunset. It's worth noting that there are extensive trails here, so you're also pretty close to the sea lion caves, which are also worth checking out if you get some time. Yeah, there's good stuff around there. Okay, we're getting down to it now. This is our second-to-last category coming up, and this is one where we're featuring two lighthouses that don't get as much love. So, David, what are the most overlooked lighthouses on the coast? So these next two are on the south coast and don't get a lot of attention. We feel like the Coquille and the Umqua lighthouses are kind of the dark horse contenders. We'll start with the Umqua lighthouse near Winchester Bay in Reedsport. It's a sizable 65 feet tall. The design is actually identical to Hasita Head. But one funny note is that it replaced the original lighthouse, which was actually washed away to sea. The really strange thing about Umqua is that unlike all the other lighthouses pretty much, you come across this one super randomly. Like you're just driving down kind of a normal coastal road and then bam, like the lighthouse is just right over your head. And that's because after the first one washed away, they built this new one pretty far inland by lighthouse standards. It's also a weird scene there. It's like fenced off because it's right next to Coast Guard apartments. And so that's it's different. But one thing I'd mention is it does have a beautiful red lens at night. So if you go there at night, it's it's quite beautiful. So it's operated by Douglas County, and the entry fee is $8. There's also uh, one of the original Lighthouse Keeper's houses has been kind of refurbished and is now a museum. Mm -hmm. Great place to visit if the weather's bad. One of those to keep in your back pocket. This lighthouse, you can go all the way up almost. You just kind of stick your head up into the lens room. You can't get super close to it. Gotcha. So the lighthouse sits right by a state park, conveniently called Umqua Lighthouse State Park. 
It's a big favorite of my family because it's home to a collection of deluxe yurts, which uh, are yurts, you know, you think the classic one, but you get to include a microwave, a fridge, a sink. It's much larger. There's even a television, a DVD player, and a full bathroom. So it's like the fancy version of a yurt, basically. They're really awesome. We traditionally go there in the winter because, you know, you want a little protection. It's a little bit warmer, but you're still out there on the coast. So it's kind of like camping, but, you know, with all these extras thrown in. And just a quick hit on our second most overlooked is Coquille Lighthouse near the south coastal town of Bandon. It's part of Bullard's Beach State Park. It's on the smaller end of lighthouses at just 40 feet tall, so not a stunner up on a cliff, but it's easily accessible. It's right near a campground and very close to town if you're passing through. It's a great place to stop by. There is an interpretive center for the lighthouse, which is open May to September, but currently there are no normal tours into the lighthouse. All right, we've reached the end, so we're going to go ahead and finally reveal our favorite lighthouse experience. Yes, David, we have reached the end, and in these podcasts, it is our solemn duty to declare a winner, (laughs) a place that you must check out above all else, and the place that we've picked, or at least I have, as the best is Cape Blanco. And for me, it's not even close. This place has everything. Yeah, Cape Blanco is located in Oregon's south coast near Port Orford and Bandon. It's 59 feet tall and was built in 1870, making it the oldest standing lighthouse in Oregon. Tours run April to October, and it costs $2 for adults, but it's free for kids. But let's go ahead and get into it. What makes this your top pick? So, you got to start out with the setting. Cape Blanco is Oregon's westernmost point and is a super interesting place. It, when you drive out there, it feels like you're on a floating island above the ocean. Yeah, as you approach the lighthouse, you're driving along this narrow one-lane road that kind of leads out onto the Cape. It feels super European, yeah. like these rolling grassy hills that just kind of drop off to these steep cliffs to beaches below. I think that's actually the best analogy is like uh, maybe Ireland's cliffs or something like that or the Scottish Moors or something yeah. like that. I, it's funny. I was thinking about what to compare it to, and the only reference point I have is Steens Mountain, which weirdly is on the opposite side of the state but still has that, like, floating island feel to it, except that on Steens you look down over this vast desert, whereas here it's it's the ocean. But it's kind of the same sort of feeling of being just elevated above something and, like, floating in midair. So the second thing that really pushes this to the top for me is that the tour is open to pretty much everyone meaning you can climb up the lighthouse stairs and even walk into the lens room. And that's a really cool experience because you get the 360-degree view, and there's just nothing like being up close to this amazing lighthouse lens that literally bends light and was like a technological marvel during its time. Yeah, you can, you know, really walking the same steps as the lighthouse keepers and casting your gaze out over the ocean really makes an impression. So that combination of scenery and the great tour is what really makes it number one for me. It also gets fewer crowds, so the atmosphere is a lot more laid back than some of the lighthouses on the northern coast. Yeah, a few fun notes about this lighthouse. It was home to Oregon's first female lighthouse keeper, Mabel E. Bretherton. She took over the job when her husband died in 1903. She eventually became assistant lighthouse keeper, all while raising three children, (laughs) until she resigned in 1907. Cape Blanco also has a nice state park and campgrounds with some great hiking trails and stuff like that. There's a small gift shop where you can buy tickets for the lighthouse tour and, you know, some nice shirts and knickknacks like that. Anything else you think is important? Yeah, just to reiterate, being on the south coast really helps you avoid a lot of the crowds you'd experience, you know, at lighthouses further north. But that said, it's always wise to kind of book early or head over midweek just to kind of dodge the, you know, summer season crowds. 
for sure. Well, those are the lighthouses we've decided to feature. A couple we didn't get to. Yeah, there's a couple kind of random lighthouses here. So there's Cleft of the Rock, which was built by the former Tillamook Rock lighthouse keeper. Probably he was so happy to get off that rock that he's like, man, I got to do something with all this energy I have. But anyway, it's south of Yahats and Cape Perpetua. It's basically a lighthouse that he has built into a house. So it's kind of cool, but you're not allowed to visit. Another privately owned lighthouse is Pelican Bay Lighthouse outside Brookings. All right, that's all the time we've got for today. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. You can check out past episodes of the Explore Oregon podcast for free at statesmanjournal.com slash explore. Let me throw in a few plugs here. We have featured places like Silver Falls State Park, the Redwoods, the Wallowa Mountains, just providing vacation guides and interesting information about all of Oregon's iconic places.